Lady Vixen Radio, live with your host, Casey Blade. The hottest show interrupting the airwaves. Hot topics, great music, talent battles, and so much more. On air in one, two, three. Hello, 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 everybody. It's your girl, Casey Blaze, and I am super excited about tonight's topic. But before we get started, we have a little bit of a twist. We have, in place of uh, Mr. Santiago, the great beloved in the building, please say hello. Beloved, are you available? All right, we'll swing back around to him. So right now we're going to be talking about the top five personalities that in romantic relationships. But before we dive right in, let me make mention um, of our call-in number. It's 914-205-5816. Again, it's 914-205-5816. And I'm excited. Um, one, we have Santiago will be out until hopefully this Thursday or the following Tuesday. And I want to give a quick apology to everyone for our absence um, in the last couple of shows. I don't know if you've listened, but I've been going through a little personal family tragedy and um, kind of recuperating from that, right? I believe we have the great beloved in the building. Are you Are you there, sir? Or is your microphone still tied up? Looks like Lucifer has caught his tongue. Anyway, so tonight we're going to be talking about the top five personalities that start conflicts in relationships, in romantic relationships. And unknowingly, you may be one of those people. I was looking over the actual um, conflicts, right, in and of itself, And I learned that I do also have a few of these, a mixture, I think, a mixture of these personalities. And I think to a certain degree our conflict resolution and our, the way we handle conflicts within our romantic relationships, I think that it may play a part in why most of our relationships kind of either fail or why there is so much conflict that goes on. Because a lot of times, I think a lot of us do not know how to effectively communicate with their partners. Um, and as a result of not being able to effectively communicate, um, it kind of causes pretty much. <laughs> I'm going to give the first one. And hopefully, Lucifer will loose um, the love it for us. Absolutely. So we can yes. There he goes. Um, so let me really quick drum roll. Um, I'm going to reintroduce the great beloved. He's going to be in place of Santiago today on this great topic. So please say your hello. Hello, everybody. I'm sorry, Ms. Blaze. That one, that wasn't um, Lucifer that time. That was actually Santiago. Mm. Oh, okay. Yes. Well, yeah, he, you know. he's, he wanted to, he wanted me to still make sure that I played him in, so at least let me go ahead and play him in real quick. Let me go ahead. Okay. 
There we go. Mm-hmm. We played him in. He's good. Mm-hmm. We're fine. <laughs> right. So now, funny enough, right, when it comes to relationships, yes. I think a lot of us, we, we sit and we'll say, everybody wants love. Everybody wants the happily ever after. But in a lot of cases, none of us really think about the the after part in that happily ever after. Um, we don't think about sometimes your partner is not going to be the person who is um, giving you lovey-dovey feelings. They're going to get on your nerves. They're going to bother you. They're going to upset you. They're going to get. They're going to work your your whole nerves. They're going to make you question why you even like them at some point, right? I think we all kind of have those moments in our relationships, and as a result, as a result of having those moments, it's how you get through them that actually makes the relationship stronger. Really, um, right? So, I was very intrigued when I ran across five different personalities that causes conflict and the reasons why they cause conflict. I'm not in agreement with a lot of the solutions that they provided, but I'm going to read them, right? Um, I'm going to go first, beloved, and then I'll pass you the mic as far as your take on this, because I think it was quite interesting. I identified, and, you know, I sent you the information as well. I self-identified a few of the personality traits. Um, and they, they were quite interesting, right? So the first one is a stone waller and a stone wall, which actually almost sounds kind of like when people say, I feel like I'm talking to a brick wall. Yeah. A Mm -hmm. stone waller. That's what that actual term is. The stone waller by definition tends to shut down during a disagreement. They refuse to cooperate or even communicate. They refuse to. So psychologically, um, stonewalling is a defense used to preserve one's ego, emotions, and self. I'm not even sure. How, how can you preserve your ego and your emotions by shutting down? It's quite interesting. That whole communication style to me is quite interesting. Um, it almost reminds me of another per- uh, personality that we're going to mention a little bit later. Beloved. Have you ever came across a person who was a stonewaller? Or have you ever practiced um, in the middle of an argument, kind of shutting down or refusing to cooperate or engage in, in the argument? I would like to think that I don't exhibit all of the traits of a stonewaller. Um, however, mm-hmm. if I take reverence to just maybe some aspects of it, you know, sometimes it's a good thing to be able to shut down during a disagreement. Um, it's not so much that you're refusing to communicate necessarily or cooperate um, because there are exceptions. Um, basically, it's a, it's a kind of preamble to um, not kind of spark the proverbial flame that would ignite the fuse. You know, mm-hmm. you just want to kind of just uh, step away from that. And uh, sometimes the best thing to do is you know, shut down. Um, I mean, guys, a lot of times we're taught this at an early age, you know, take a walk, you know, um, mm-hmm. get it out of your system, come back and deal with the problem. So it's, I wouldn't say necessarily stonewaller, but avoidance, you know, you don't want, you don't want to attack a problem sometimes. Kind of, it, it resembles one different personality trait. So don't jump too far ahead on that one, but go ahead. <laughs> okay. Well, well, basically that's, that's my take as far as um, a stone a stonewaller. That's that's as far as I've delved into it. Me personally, I, I I've come across people that might have um, exhibited those traits, but um, 
you know, um, that's far few and in between, but um, not too many. I've come across people I didn't think that they were stone. I didn't thought more along the lines of them being or practicing the act of me talking to, um, you know, the brick wall. And the unfortunate side of that personality trait is that it continues and keeps the argument going. And the reason it does is because you never resolve anything because the person is just refusing to go there. And not that all – I don't personally, me personally, I don't think that all arguments are bad arguments. I think sometimes an argument serves the purpose for feelings to be expressed um, because there is something wrong. There is a conflict of sorts. And by being able to express yourself, but if you're with a person or a partner who kind of shuts down or they don't engage in it at all, it kind of leaves a lot of unresolved answers, and it can make the other partner um, feel unheard, right? So that can, that can continue or continuously keep the argument kind of going. It almost is like you're stoking the flames a little bit. So I'm going to give what the, the um, fatherly.com, their resolution, Stonewallers, was the best way to combat stonewalling is to, as the song goes, quote by quote, they say, try a little tenderness. Use empathy and compassion as a means of breaking through the stubbornness and refusal to cooperate. Rather than chastising someone for stonewalling you, let them know that you understand how they're feeling. Say out loud in an empathetic tone of voice that you understand how he is feeling or she feeling overwhelmed and may need a break from the conversation. Rather than him or her falling silent, ask them to offer you a gentle bridge by saying something like, I'm feeling flooded and I need a beat to catch my breath. Let's put a bookmark here and pick it up after dinner. I can't, I don't necessarily agree with that approach. Mm. Um, and the main reason is sometimes, now here's the thing, if you know that the person shuts down primarily when it their fault um, mm-hmm. I think that's almost abusive Because I, most people abusive. don't have a problem with it Yeah, think about it If you do something to me I don't have a problem telling you you did something to me But if I'm telling you that you do something that, If you think that um, If I'm telling you that you've done something To me, right um, yeah. I kind of feel And then you shut down you don't want to discuss it. You don't want to talk about it. That's kind of low-key abusive, in my opinion. But if you, but if, if I did something to you and you, you're quick to tell me about myself, that's kind of abusive. Would you agree or disagree? Well, if you're, the scenario that you're using, of course, but I'm thinking of a person that shuts down whenever there's just, you know, conflict in the room. Conflict in general. So whether it's you or them then I, I wouldn't think that that's abusive because it's just with that person uh, kind of, it's kind of a format that they follow. It's kind of a structure that they have for, you know, staying out of the lane of uh, something that could, you know, lead them into somewhere chaotic. So uh, I think I it, I think it depends. I can see mm-hmm. in person. I, I practice a bit of this, but it's not intentional. Sometimes I shut down um, so that I can gather myself. 
So I'll, I'll give it that, like, like you said. But it's, it's generally with all conflict. It's not necessarily, you know, a one-sided situation, right? But okay. I, can, I can relate a little bit. I can relate a little bit to being a stonewaller. There are times where I will shut down, but it's because I'm trying to cope or gather my thoughts or how I'm feeling about whatever was, was done, especially if it was done to me. So we'll move along. Mm-hmm. And this is this one is interesting. I know a lot of people who fall under this one, the verbal attacker. And by definition, mm-hmm. this should be good, right? The verbal attacker mm-hmm. by definition is when an issue is raised, either you or your partner fall back on assigning judgment, blame, and criticism, all while insisting that the fault lies entirely with someone else then this is a term that applies best to you or your relationship. This style is to become self-protective by deflecting responsibility for conflicts. And Dr. Walfish says they cannot bear to assume accountability for their egos are too fragile and easily injured. I know mm. a lot of people, mm. a lot of people. And there's probably a lot of listeners who didn't realize that they were the verbal attacker. And sometimes verbal attacks does not always mean you're calling your, your partner or significant other out of their name or anything like that. Verbal attacking could literally just be that you're constantly accusing them, um, constantly accusing your partner of doing something wrong. <clears throat> That's, I have so much to say on that one. <laughs> I'm going to give you the mic this- where I dominate the mic on that one really quick person uh, that would be the verbal attacker uh, suits the narrative for a lot of people that I've encountered within even my small circle. It could be family. Mm -hmm. It could be friends, um, especially within the friend threshold. Um, Mm -hmm. So I know this personality very well. Um, Most oftentimes, They'll, it's like it says, they'll ex- uh, insist that it's the fault that lies with the other person, exclude themselves from all personal blame, never ever identifying, at least not within the moment, they'll never identify faults realistically. However, instead, what they'll do is, uh, you know, only through the aperture within the, uh, the, the lines of the lining of their own rose tinted glasses will they begin to you know, uh, just come to any kind of conclusion. But it's always going to be in favor of them. It's never going to be in your favor. So that's what's unique about this verbal attacker. And it's very Mm. interesting. Come across that, you know, quite a bit, quite often. Well, I think what's even more interesting, right, about that is that Mm. A lot of times the people that I have personally encountered who are verbal attackers, and I think to a degree, all of us can kind of say that we we played the role of the verbal attacker and or we played, we've been in alignment with being verbally attacked, right, where somebody's accusing us, um, they're accusing us versus, you know, taking responsibility for them. For themselves. Um, that being said, right, I have personally met people who will use the I, I mean the you, the you, the you, you did this, you did that, 
You're always doing this. Right. You're always doing that. You're never right. You're always wrong. And that is a verbal um, attack, right? It is a verbal attack on your right. on your partner. I personally mm-hmm. have found, if I'm going to be honest with myself, I've been in both wearing both shoes, right? I've been on the side of telling a person that they've done things, especially when I was younger, um, you know, you're always doing this, you're always doing that, you're all, or the person taking what I'm saying as a verbal attack against them, when in reality it is me trying to express that I feel like something was done, something was, an injustice was done toward me. Um, here's why I kind of feel like people who, people can kind of get away with certain things um, inadvertently when they're doing this, okay? Mm-hmm. Um we can sit and say that we're, it's a quote-unquote verbal attack, right? But the person really is doing something to you, right? What if they all okay. are? What if they're doing stuff that they know hurts you and they're continuously doing it? Is it a verbal attack in that case? Or it means that you've done something to hurt me. I feel like I give a person, my person, personal thing is I usually give people I try to tell somebody that they are hurting me at least three times. I try to. I have a three okay. time rule. All right. And the three That's times. That's your mechanism. Is, mm-hmm. Yeah, the reason why is because hey, first time it's a given. You might not have known that you were hurting. You might not have known that you were doing something that you mm. know. And for that, I'll give it to you. Second time, all right, I might have to remind you. Right. You might not again. It, it might be new. Me re me telling you whatever before. So I'll give you that. But then it's like after the third time, it becomes a matter of like, are you kidding me? I feel like I start to feel like you're doing it on purpose. Are you Mm. trying to hurt me on purpose? You see? Mm. So it, it becomes one of those things where now me telling you, hey, you keep doing this. That's not that's not an attack. It's telling you facts. This is truth. You continuously do that. You're doing well, that. I don't I don't I don't see what what ponders the question of of you wondering if that's a verbal attack or not. That's clearly not a verbal attack. Because, that's explaining to. But they're saying that according to this definition, right? Is a person like for example, I'll give you why I'm saying it. So they're saying the solution to the verbal attacker is to say a counter a verbal attack by leaning into your partner's argument. Explain to them that you want to hear what is what it is you've done that upset them, but that you don't wish to be attacked over it. If you're the attacker, you keep the you statements out of the discussion and switch to I statements. So, for example, <coughs> when you say this, I feel this, or I feel like I'm being unheard when you do this. That way, okay. but it's kind of like the person who who is expressing themselves in that way, right? It almost gives the feeling that you're taking the blame for what the other person is doing for you or to, doing to you. You get what I'm saying? Do you see how that can play? I do. And I'm oh, I do. telling you, like, when you, when you do this, it really hurts me, right? Mm-hmm. Um. They can kind of take like okay, but in one way, it's almost like it's taking. I'm taking on the responsibility of that. I'm taking that. 
away from them by making it like I'm feeling this because you're doing that. But, hey, instead of saying you keep doing this to me (laughs) and it's causing me to feel this. See the language? Mm. It sounds different. It sounds different. Okay. One of the suggestions here says you should say something like, I want to hear your thoughts, but it's easier for me to process when you say things beginning with I need. Otherwise, I hear it as a put down and feel bad about myself, and that gets us nowhere. Really? I don't like that. I I don't like that. (laughs) Let's remember that those suggestions are merely just that. Those are suggestions. We don't have to implement that within our daily lives. We can borrow something from it if it atones to something that meets the criteria for whatever it is we're experiencing within the confounds of our our specific uh, relationships. But we don't have to utilize that hope. Yeah. Because my thing is this. My thing Mm -hmm. is this. Who are high-conflict people? High-conflict people have a pattern of high-conflict behavior that usually increases conflict rather than reducing or resolving it. So the pattern that I see is that it usually happens over and over again in many different situations with many different people. The issue that seems in conflict at the time is not uh, what is increasing the actual conflict. The issue is the high-conflict personality. Uh, To me, it appears to be a disorder and how one approaches the problem-solving aspect of it. So with the high-conflict personality, the high-conflict person that exhibits the personality, the pattern of behavior includes a lot of blaming others, a lot of, you know, all-or-nothing thinking, a lot of uh, mixed emotions or unmanaged emotions, and a lot of extreme behaviors. And that seems to be what I'm seeing within this guideline of this, uh, you know, the, uh, the traits that are of the five personalities that start conflict, uh, you know, within relationships. That appears to be what it is. Okay. I mean, to that degree, I guess, I, I can hear what you're saying. I do think that there are some, um, there are some people who cause a lot more um, distension and, and conflict within their partners. I do agree with you on that. I feel like, however, there are some people who – their approach to conflict causes more conflict or it keeps conflict open. It's like it never closes. It never, it's a never ending. It's always an open ended thing because you never received any resolution previously. So if you never receive any resolution, did I really, did we really close the door or any previous conflict or are we just, you know, ignoring it until, you know, we somebody blows up again about it? Well, exactly. Like what I stated, the issue that seems in conflict at the time is not necessarily what increases the conflict. The issue is the high conflict personality and how one approaches the problem solving. So it is about approach. That's exactly what it's about. It's the approach. It's the approach in any situation. Um, what mm-hmm. I find about high, high these these people with this frequency of uh, high confliction is that high conflict couples, the couples often struggle with power and control. Mm. It's not okay. uncommon, you know, for one or more partners in a high conflict um, couple relationship, you know, to. Uh, exude this want and desire for uh, control and power, 
you know, as opposed to, you know, what would be like a natural and organic relationship with someone. Right. So if you're in a toxic relationship with that kind of person, then, you know, that that might belie the thing the thing that you're looking towards uh, achieving within a relationship might not be the thing they're looking for if it's the, that kind of person. Mm. You have to look at it from different scenarios, you know. You know what? That, you touched on something. You did. You literally did touch on things. Because I'm a strong believer, I always say this, that a lot of times we we break our own heart, right? So, and what That's do I mean by that? That's one of your favorite sayings. It's one of my favorite One of the things that I've learned is that a person will show you who they are and, and maybe what they want. And then if you continue forward and or you don't believe them when they're saying or expressing it, then it becomes a matter of you breaking your own heart at that point. It's no longer the other person. It's you putting yourself in position to be hurt. So if you're putting yourself in that position to be hurt, you can't really blame the other party so much as blame yourself. But it could be a matter of how they how they communicate with you that can make it a, a, a conflicting or toxic situation. Because, it, again, communication is a two-way street. I can't communicate with myself. Um, or I can, right, but I'll be perceived as crazy. And But for the most part, <laughs> I can't communicate with myself. So it does take a two-person conversation for resolutions to be had. So I guess to that degree I hear what you're saying. I want to play a quick commercial break. If you haven't already, yes. you can call in 914-205-5816. And I'm going to play a quicker song. It looks like I'm going to play something fun. Let's see. Can okay. we start over? That's the song. We'll be back in just a moment. Absolutely.
Hey, you all, what's up? I'm Sierra. What's up, y'all? This is Nicki Minaj. Hey, I'm Mariah Carey. Hey, what's up? It's Jay-Z. Get back with Lady Victim Radio. And we are back. It's the girl, Casey Blaze, and I have the great beloved both in the building. And tonight, we're talking about the top five personalities that start conflict in romantic relationships. We've already discussed the top two, one of, of which was a stonewaller, which is a person who they pretty much they refuse to engage or um, <laughs> they pretty much just shut you out, pretty, pretty much. That's the long and short of it. They refuse to cooperate or even to communicate during a time of disagreement. Um, and then we also discussed the verbal attacker, and that's pretty much the person who's constantly using you did, you did, you know, you, you, you. Um, and they verbally attack with their with their word choice and everything else, right? So then next up is one that um, we call the avoider. And avoiders, by definition, will do whatever they have to do to keep from dealing with a confrontation, from offering distracting arguments to flat-out changing the subject. Additionally, avoiders will deflect and distract during an argument in order to avoid having to confront the root cause of the problem and during intense disagreements, says Walfish, if you often interrupt or think about your response while your partner is talking, then you are more concerned with winning the fight than understanding where the disruption occurred. People who do that, like they'll, they'll sit and really be mapping out what they're going to face, you know, um, and in doing that, it causes them not to really hear what I had to say. Um, and then we get nowhere because they're not really listening. They're not trying to understand, you know. Hmm. Yeah. So have you met any avoiders? I was just going to say, because for me, I can be an avoider, but not within the subtext that they're explaining it. Like, I am the avoider because I avoid conflict. I don't like conflict. I don't want it around me. I don't practice it. So I remove myself from it, and I remove it from me. I believe if executed properly, it appears to be something usable, as long as it's not exact, you know, exaggerated or exacerbated and, um, or overly used or, and or abused. You know, um, like I state all the time, everything has balance. So, um, yeah, me, myself, Ms. Blaze, I am an avoider. And I think you know that uh, about me. Well, I don't I know that. Avoider. No, I don't. Yo, you don't? No. Oh, you don't know that? What do you, well, what do you mm-hmm. see me as? I you don't see me as an avoider? I you put war paint on both sides of your face. I have seen you <laughs> dig your toes deep down into some dirt. Uh-huh. Um, okay. No. In, in that regard, like, the avoider, I think, in the, I think to a degree – we can say that we avoid want to avoid conflict, and there are. But I don't think that they're referring to an avoider as as a person who's, you know, trying to steer clear of an argument. We're talking about people who are now in the argument. There's something happened. Something already happened. Something's right. already wrong, and then you try to avoid the the con the conflict in the sense of. The confrontation, you don't want to deal with the fact that something occurred and you have to now discuss it. You don't want to talk about that. So you avoid duck and dodge and weave the confrontation, you know, which I think is different from being the person who just, you know, likes peace and prefers peace. Mm. 
you understand what I'm well, saying? Well, it seems to me like what they're saying in that in that particular essence, it becomes a self-protective measure, and that they kind of deflect all of the uh, the, the any responsibility on the other person. They they don't seem mm. to it does it doesn't sound like avoidance. It sounds like they can't bear to bear the brunt of accountability, uh, perhaps because of fragmented egos, uh, or, mm. or maybe they're just too sensitive or too fragile to uh, understand you uh you know some some constructive criticism you know right that's what that sounds like yeah there are some people you know who use avoidance because they they don't want to that's why i said it relates to the first one that i said is stone rolling if you're okay. avoiding the conflict because you know you've done something wrong and you don't want to hear that. People a lot of times don't like seeing themselves. I say this all the time. Um, they don't like to see themselves. And if you don't like seeing yourself, then it's hard for you to deal with hearing truth or facts about you, about yourself. You know, one of the things that I try to practice, and it's hard. As for a person like me, it is very difficult. I don't shy away from confrontation. I don't feel like all confrontation is bad confrontation. Um, especially if the communication is done effectively. I have previously taught myself over time, especially being a mom, I've taught myself that it is okay to hear truth about yourself. Um, it's just right. allow the person to speak truth about you and you not to absorb it from a place of them trying to destroy you. You understand what I'm saying? Because that's the first line of defense. We automatically think that the person is trying to destroy us or assassinate our characters or just talk trash about us, so we don't like it. So we put up our defense a mechanism is to, one, you want to deflect it or you want to not deal with it because who wants to hear about themselves? I don't think anybody wants to hear bad traits about themselves, right, or things that they do wrong. That's true. I think a lot of us don't like that. It's uncomfortable. But here's the thing. That's Mm – no, go ahead. No, go ahead. You were going to say it makes it what? It just makes it, you know, you got to – at some point we have to kind of grow up a little bit. You have to – in order for you to grow as a person, you can't just hear the fluffy, sweet, beautiful things about yourself all the time. For you to grow, you have to hear some things that are not – Right with you. Absolutely, and that's what I was going to speak on. The things that we um, uh, kind of don't want to hear about ourselves are the things that we should want to hear about ourselves in or in order to enable growth. You understand? Mm-hmm. From what I know, mm-hmm. from what not only just what I've read on the subject, uh, but as well as from my own experience. And what I know to be true, conflict is inexorable, if not at times preordained. And that's in any relationship, okay? I'm talking about the relationship you have with your mother and father, the one you have with your son or your daughter. I'm talking about the relationship you have with your significant other, okay? Um, So especially one that might be considering marriage, conflict can be a healthy algorithm if it's maintained and executed properly. However, as with most things, This needs a balance. I keep preaching this word balance because it's very significant here. You know, it needs balance. You know, it can just be uh, too far one way and too much missing of something else. We don't want that. 
There are those that have conflicts for the slightest reasons. Then you have a relationship that is dominated by uh, negative objectives. However, conflict can be healthy if it is used as a learning tool and one that promotes mm-hmm. growth instead of underdevelopment or prohibits growth. And that's where I stand with, you know, the conflict. It's not a bad thing necessarily. We can turn it and make it into a bad thing. But if we, you know, use what we – like you went through stages of growing up. You went through stages where you weren't able to walk. And it could be looked at as a bad experience that, well – you know, Miss Blades fell all those times before she became, you know, able to walk in her growing stages. But if you were learning from that and you developed from that, so you know not to fall, so you know to obtain balance, and then you're growing, you obtain muscle memory and so forth, all of the elements and the tools that you needed in order to be able to walk, in order to be able to grow, in order to be able to run, in order to be able to fly. See, that's what I'm talking about. So these things, to me, conflict is good at times. It helps us to grow. It helps us learn more about the other person. What say you? I do. Like I said, I'm the person who believes that conflict is not necessarily a bad thing. It was executed properly. It's not, it shouldn't be viewed as, you know, this horrible, horrible thing. Because sometimes we, we hear, you know, we, nobody wants to face it, like I said. So for me, you're absolutely correct. If I can, if somebody tells me something that I do, one of the things that I practice and that I do personally is I try to hear what they're saying. I take into account what what I believe them saying as, okay, this is what they're saying about me. I'll check myself. Is this something that I'm practicing? Am I being unreasonable? And then, okay, you know what, if I'm being unreasonable, then, you know, I apologize. And then not only do I apologize, I then take it a step further and try to adjust myself because the the last thing I want to do is literally walk around in this space of being so ridiculous that I can't um I can't see where change is required or change is necessary. Sometimes we practice certain behaviors with one partner um and that was acceptable with that one partner um, mm-hmm. that we don't we don't see it as a problem. And so the new partners say, well, you know what? No, I don't like that behavior at all, you know, at all. And you're, and you're doing that, you know. So we have to kind of be able to adjust ourselves and see things sometimes as not necessarily a negative. But sometimes in relationships there is going to be a little give and take. There is going to be a little push and pull. There is going to be a little bit of learning curve, right? And you go through all of these things. Um, and if you want to be with the person or you think the person is worth getting to know and stay with and to be with on a long-term scale, then you do have to make adjustments within yourself because, like I said, you cannot bring – you're not going to be the same person that you are with one person that you were with the other person. And sometimes you'll bring personality traits that you may have adapted or learned or picked up from and they're not beneficial to your situation or your relationship. So you have to be willing to hear parts of yourself. But for me, a person who is an avoidant personality, it provokes this thing in me that I, I kind of feel like if I start, if I can't be myself, if I feel like I have to walk on eggshells or I'm nervous 
I'm so nervous around you that I'm going to upset you or make you feel uh, or make myself feel like I'm so, um, I become afraid almost to be myself. And I have to start looking at, you know, that that's something that you have to start looking at. And, and certain, certain, you know, conflict resolution skills or non-skills provoke certain behaviors um, mm-hmm. in a person, in your partner. So we kind of have to be be wary of that. Are you the kind of person who is doing a combination? Are you an attacker? And then, you know, you avoid hearing anything about yourself? Are you, you know, you kind of have to look at that because I feel like on some of these I, I self-identify with a couple of these traits. I'll let you guys know when I get to which traits. Um, <laughs> I think, you know, I think I have a few. I see a few within myself. Okay. Um, I don't know. I think I've identified two at least out of the ones that we've already discussed. But really quick. Let me give you the solution that they're suggesting um, with dealing with a, an avoider. They say, if the intensity of an argument is too much for you to deal with, if you're the person who's avoiding, try flipping the script and use a little humor to lighten the mood. Make a joke, even if it's at your expense. If you know your partner likes to avoid arguments, come forward about it to him or her. And let them know that you understand what they're feeling. It may help your partner if you say, this is hard for me to talk about too. We can take breaks, however often as you need, to take a few minutes to ourselves and cool down. But I need you to stay in this discussion with me. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, no. <laughs> not. That's just not the solution. Like, no one is going. People don't like to be chastised. You know, that doesn't work mm. in anyone's favor. Uh, you know, regardless of of how pragmatic, uh, regardless of how conservative, regardless of how you know um, level-headed the person is, people just don't like. They won't respond well to that. You know, um, uh, the thing is, you use the word adjusting. Um, that means adjusting things that are problematic. The thing is, is that are we willing to really adjust the things that are problematic, or is it us that are just adjusting the things that we think are problematic about us that's not necessarily the problem for someone else? See, that becomes the big problem, Ms. Blaze. The problem is, is that we sometimes think, okay, well, I see what my problem was, and we'll go ahead and we'll adjust something that is not there. It was never the problem. We're not listening to what the other person has to t- is telling us is the problem. We're thinking for ourselves that we have the solution, and we're adjusting, fixing, and doing all of this uh, recalibrating, all this reconfiguring. But we could, we're, we're, we are reconfiguring what? All of the wrong elements, all the wrong fragments of ourselves. For what purpose? It's not adhering to fixing the problem, the core. What we're doing is it's what we think is problematic and what the person told us we weren't listening with a keen ear. So we don't really know what the problem is. Here we are fixing things. That in itself is a problem. I've been known to do such things. Uh, yes, you have. have. And the thing is, I'm glad. <laughs> well, never how dare you try to jump in and, and check that one off real fast. Um <laughs> But I have done, I, I yes. feel like I can agree. 
I've done that. Uh, and that actually goes to one of the, the things that, you know, one of the personality traits. I won't elaborate until we get there. Um, All right. But I tend to do that where I try to fix things that I, what I'm believing I'm hearing. I'm a communicator, right? I need clarity. That's one of the things that I always say. I need clarity, and not because I just want to sit and talk a problem out to death, but it's because right. I genuinely want to understand so that I'm not doing that thing right that, right there that you just brought up, where I'm fixing things that may not necessarily be the actual problem. I do feel like, though, people are a little bit elusive in their description of things. And elusive okay. um, for me means they're not really getting to the heart of what's wrong. They don't want to tell okay. the person what's wrong, or they're they're not really being clear. So I'm the person who I'm constantly on a, a plane of, I need some clarity because I do like clarity. I know things about myself, for example, that I can, I have the capacity to be a bit over the top. I've been told in, in love relationships that I can be a bit, my personality can be a bit overwhelming in that I'm an affectionate person. So I may be overwhelmingly affectionate. You understand what I'm okay. saying? So for some, right. however, you may meet right. somebody who's totally okay. They actually want you to be that. They they need that. You understand what I'm saying? So it's kind of okay. like I will have heard, oh, that you're just so overwhelming in that. So now if I hear a glimpse of that from the person I'm with, I'll then scale myself back. Where they may not really mean for me to scale myself back. They just want me to understand this part. But I didn't get the memo. I didn't catch the message as clearly as they thought they gave it to me. You understand what I'm saying? Mm. I do. Me, I don't believe in scaling myself back for anybody. Because the thing is, is that with what true, what true element of yourself are you giving as a whole to the person if you're scaling yourself back? So then you become the person that is settling for something that is not of you. So why would you settle for something that is not of you when you can go and seek that that is of you that will appreciate those elements of the things that correspond with them from you? Why would you do that? I don't believe in scaling oneself back. What we have to understand in this is also, uh, let's look at mental health, okay? Let's look at that. There are challenges in this that uh, seems to kind of reflect a lot of mental health uh, uh, issues when I look at it. Um, Because in the United States, almost half of adults, which is 46.4% to be exact, they're saying we'll experience a mental illness during their lifetime. Where do they come up with this uh, statistics? Why is this considered into factual evidence as far as statistics are concerned? 5% of adults 18 or older experience a mental illness in any one-year equivalent to 43.8 million people. So of adults in the United States with any mental illness disorder or any mental disorder in a one-year period, 14.4% have one of the disorders which fall into, the reason why I brought this up, it falls into unmanaged emotions, all or nothing thinking, blaming others, and extreme behaviors, which is what we were just talking about here within the threshold and dynamics of what we're speaking about. 
um, along the guidelines of the um, personalities that actually uh, cause conflicts in the romantic relationships. There's that power and control mechanism. Sometimes there's even violence. Let's examine some of the violence in dating relationships within a conflict, a conflicting framework. You know, because while the levels of premarital violence are admittedly high, it is, you know, evident that not all conflictual couples are violent towards each other, but yet and still it does exist as a problem because you do have this in high levels, you know. Mm -hmm. Why? Is it some kind of mental threshold or are we overlooking this? Is it something that we're overlooking? I just bring it into question because it seems to be something that becomes uh, not not analyzed uh, or kind of looked over. But I'm sorry, you're about to say something. I was going to say it could be it could be um, that we're overlooking things. You kind of you made a valid point. You made a valid point. That when we're in a love relationship, right, or we're in a partnership, should you have to scale parts of yourself back to be with that person? Um, you just made a, a really good point because I, I, to one degree, I think that we're going in a relationship, there is going to be a little bit of, um, there, there is going to inevitably a little bit of adjusting. You're not some. Sometimes we do it whether we want to or not, or whether it's intentional or not. Sometimes we will adjust ourselves according to the people that we're with at the moment, at the time. Um, yes. And in our in our doing so, right? Is it then causing yes. or doing great harm? Should you just go and seek someone who? is more in alignment with who you are? That's an interesting question. That becomes this interesting, an interesting thing. In this big, giant world and the capacity of people that are in it, I don't see it being any other way. Why not? The world is vast. It's huge. There's many places you have uh, various different thresholds to do it now. You have different mediums by which you have the internet. You have, you know, you have you have technology at, at your at your fingertips. You can meet somebody in a few seconds from somewhere in another country, you know, and, and establish a connection uh, somewhere down the line. You don't have to just settle for something and talk about scaling yourself back. To me, that that's ludicrous because then you lose parts of yourself that might be vital to a relationship which uh might which might need that element of you because mm-hmm. by you missing that element of you what ends up happening is you're no longer you see all the elements that make up you uh, are vital to you being you so you start to fragment and you start to pick and you start to pro- well what happens you know you're not contouring you're scaling back now if you're contouring so that it can fit a certain medium, be let's say, you know, you have great admiration or love for this person and feel that they are worth it. Then you go ahead and you do that. And you adhere to that. I don't have a problem with that. But if you're talking about scaling oneself back, that's a totally different thing. Because that is you that you're scaling back. 
that is a big part of you that you're scaling back. And I have a problem with that because then who are we dealing with? Are we even looking at this realistically? You know. All very interesting. There, that's, that's, I, I've never – I've looked at it similarly, right? I always thought in, in relationships that, that sometimes we will scale – one person typically, in a lot of cases in my situation, I am typically the person who I feel I have lost a lot of myself in relationships, and the my partner has become more of themselves, and I've become less of me. <laughs> Less of me, if I'm going to be honest, right, within certain situations. So, I I mean, I guess to that degree, you're absolutely correct. Um, Now, that can't have a positive result, right? They're becoming more, you're becoming less. Well, they become more and I become less. You're right. Right. Yeah. Well, of of course. Of course, that's not necessarily a, a... well, it's not a good thing. It's not a good thing. Um, Absolutely. It's not. Right there, right? 914-2055816. Because I think I am great, right? 914-205-5816. Again, it's 914-205-5816. That is our call-in number. If you'd like to add to the discussion, if you identify as one of these personality traits, or if you've been the uh, receiver of any one of the, the soul um, of the five that we've discussed, you can also give us a call in. If you'd like to give a shout out, leave a comment, um, or discuss tonight's topic, also give us a call, 914-205-5816. I'd like to play a quick song. It's one of your favorites, beloved. More Than Friends, and mm. we'll be back in just a moment. Oh, yes.
Hustle Hard Tuesday. Tune in to real people with real hustles making real money. Every Tuesday night with your host, Casey Blade. Let's go. Yeah, honey. Yeah, you day. You called it right. Mm. Yeah. Right, and again, this is your girl Casey Blaze, and I'm on the line with Mr. Beloved. We're both in the building, and today we're talking about the top five personality traits um, that causes conflict in romantic relationships. We've discussed a few. I'm going to get to the next one because we're winding down. Okay. Um, All right. The next one is the passive submissive. And by definition, the passive submissive is similar to the avoider in that they will always capitulate and admit that they're wrong, even if they're not. They are so afraid of being disliked or having someone be angry at them that they will simply roll over and give in just to avoid another fight. Hmm. Hmm. Ah. My younger okay. son was never that. <laughs> um, I was always you don't say. ready and prepared. Yeah, ready and prepared for a good showdown. And, um, because, again, I don't know if this is just an Aries trait or what. But typically, mm-hmm. Aries, we do enjoy a good conflict. Now, uh, enjoy a good conflict, meaning not that we like mm-hmm. to fight. We don't necessarily like mm-hmm. to fight. But Aries do enjoy a good debate. We enjoy a debate. I think it keeps us sharp. So sometimes if you know, mm-hmm. depending on who the partner is, right? <laughs> depending on who the partner is, they can take a lot of what is being said as us trying to be combative. Um, mm. I personally do not get along well with people who just to pacify me. They're like, "Oh, woo, woo, woo." Yeah, you know, I agree. You know, I don't like yes men. I cannot. I can't involve myself with a yes man. Um, mm-hmm. However. However, mm-hmm. even if you're not a yes man and you're just you're scared that I'm not going to like you anymore if you don't agree with what I'm saying is a no. It's a hard it's a hard a quick way for me not to like you. You sure you're not donning a little war paint underneath that Vermeer Ms. Blaze? <laughs> wait. Mm-hmm. Wait, say that again. I said, are you sure you're not donning a little war paint underneath that veneer, Ms. Blaze? A little war paint, maybe? Listen, my my whole um, makeup routine involves war paint. What are we talking about? (laughs) Um, (laughs) I knew it. I knew it. I'm always prepared. But the funny Mm. thing is not even that I'm (laughs) – the misunderstanding in saying that I'm always prepared is not that I'm always ready to be engaged in a fight. That's not what I'm saying. I am saying, though, that I don't mind a debate. I'm prepared to show up for one if I need to, right? Um, But also, I've been on the other end of that. I've been the person who wants to avoid a fight. Or, you know, like I said, that goes back to sometimes depending on – on your partner, they can – your partner can have the capacity to make you feel like you're a little bit on eggshells. And I've been in that scenario, you know. 
when you really like somebody. Oh, my God, you don't want to, you don't want to do anything that's going to rock any boats um, in most cases, okay. right? So I've been on both sides of that, where some people provoke in me, they provoke the war paint. They literally be like, yo, you look like you're ready to fight. And I'll be like, I look like I'm ready to contend. You know, I'm ready for you. What you got? Um, and then I don't people, think that war paint needs much fight. encroaching. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but I don't know. Some people are like, no, I'm all right. I will, will, will. Let's just get off of that subject real quick. Um, mm. So, like I said, I've been on both sides of, of the fence on that. Okay. I can honestly. Okay. And I'll say the same thing. I think it's normal to uh, to to actually believe that most people have um, been on both sides of this fence. My thing mm-hmm. is, is is that when it gets to be too overwhelming, when you're inundated with this thing in, in the amount of extremes, then that's when it becomes something that's imbalanced. And, and and not on a, a level enough plane that we can even understand it thoroughly enough to even deal with it, and it causes compromises within that whole threshold. So my my thing is that uh, you know um, I think I I can say that I've had this trait myself. You know, uh, it's just it's not to a fault. It's mm-hmm. not to a point where it causes imbalance. It's not to a point where either party is affected in a negative manner. You know, mm-hmm. it's to a point where it it's structured. See, the the pragmatic mind understands this. A person uh, with uh, uh, a great deal of reasoning, skill set, understands this and knows how to maneuver all these qualities so that they don't become inequalities. They know to, how mm. to use this to their advantage. Not that they're trying to manipulate the person, but they want to manipulate the dynamics uh, within a relationship of a person that they care for. So when you're saying that you've been this person at such and such a time for such and such a reason, I can relate to that. Because it's not that you are actually being the passive submissive, because that would Implied that you're that all the time, that you're always that way, and I know for a fact that is not you. You know, it's you know, so it's just not the way it is. So, but I know that you can be that. So therefore, within that understanding, yes, I believe that any person within reason, male, female, black, white, span, doesn't matter. I believe we've all, as people, you know, as human beings, we've we've kind of fallen into these subcategories um, it has just been within something that defines uh, something reasonable something that's probably even expected you know I, and you know what I think like I said being as though it, it, certain people provoking you certain behaviors right so some people yes. I've met that they make me feel like I can or I'm ready to go toe-to-toe with them. And then there are others who I'm like, mm, you know, like I said, I don't necessarily want to be combative with them, so I'm willing to walk away from that bout because I'd rather not have that fight with that person. Um, Absolutely. 
Absolutely. Right. I can agree. Well, could understand something like that. My absolute nerve. And they, they jump up and down on the strings of my last nerve. And they're like, yeah, you know, I'm going to bounce around on this, this nerve right here and um, provoke you in, a, in such a way that you are prepared to fight, and we're just gonna do it. We're just gonna do that, right? Um, but it's interesting. Right. People are interesting, and relationships are interesting. Some people we care more about. Um, some people we don't care enough about that you know we're willing to walk away. We don't have to talk. Some people we're willing to say you know we will. Let's just. I don't want to. You know, whatever you say, then you know we go there. Um, but let me let me go over really quickly how they say to the solution, pretty much, for the passive submissive. Right. They say how to, to do that is don't invalidate their fears or negative feelings by telling them it's silly to be afraid. If you do this, it would only cause those negative feelings to grow. Instead, Walfish suggests things along the lines of, I know you're worried, I'll be mad at you, but I'm going to do my best to not freak out and be angry. At the same time, I need you to join me in um, talking about things directly so we can keep our communication healthy and productive. That almost has the air of a a victim. The passive submissive, that sounds almost like, oh, I know you're worried I'll be mad at you, but I'm going to do my best not to freak out and be angry. Mm, Right. That kind of has an air of victim abuser, (laughs) victim and abuser type communication, right? right? Absolutely. I'm not, I'm afraid to speak because uh, I don't want you to, I don't want to see you mad. I don't know. Mm. I've, I've been, I have been in such a situation um, where the person acted kind of like a gorilla. So it's kind of like, yeah. And in the beginning stages of that relationship, I didn't want to see them upset. Um. And and it's like I said, it's funny how some people provoke in you behaviors that you yourself didn't even know you would ever practice. That's why is you we should never say I would never do such a thing because there are some people who do provoke certain things out of you, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but that had a, an air or a ring of a of an abuser speaking to. Oh, I know. I don't. I want you to be able to freely talk to me because. I'm going to try not to be mad and, and get angry. Um, what? <laughs> I got to be like, yeah. did not have a little air of uh, something else? That didn't sound it, natural. It had an air of weirdness. Here's the thing. I, first of all, I don't like the way they're, you know, Wallfish explains ways of speaking to this person, almost like the person <laughs> is, uh, is, um, we're already assuming that this person that is our significant other is imbalanced in such in, in a way because, you know, he's saying things like, I know you're worried that I'll be mad at you, but I'm not going, I'm going to do my best yeah, to not freak out and be angry. What? Right. That has yeah. the air of an <laughs> I'll do my best to not go and get my strap because, uh, you know, you've been, you're, I know you're going to make me angry, but it, listen, we're going to work this thing out. Don't worry about it. We're good. We're good. We're good people. Okay. What does that sound like? It just doesn't make sense. Like wallfish, get your face out of here with that. It's crazy. Doesn't sound right. <laughs> yeah, well, like I said, it has this weird air of um, somebody who is abusive 
talking to a victim, to their victim specifically. Um, Yes! And then you said that he further said, at the same time, I need you to join me in talking about these things directly so that we can keep our communication healthy and productive. That's just – so basically, you know, I'm now – I'm this person – that's taking on this um, this visage of uh, brute, kind of brutal in a sense, and and, yeah, and, and kind. It sounds low key threatening, and it sounds yeah. like you know the person is being victimized, and we need to call help for them. They need help. Yeah, this is yeah, this is it's absurd. I uh, feel like if you're if you're two adults, if you're in an adult relationship. Again, I I know that I may be extreme. I may be a different type of case, but I do believe in the three, the three time rule. I try to express what I'm feeling at least three times. Um, at least three, because I feel like sometimes you know people need people need to hear, and if they care enough, then they'll make an effort toward wanting to fix it. Wanting it to be right. The only problem is, though, I think we live in a society where it's easy for people. It's easy. It's easier for people to throw people away. People throw people away all the time. That's why it's so uh, thanks to technology. Mm-hmm. Yeah, people, people. People become so expendable. Out. Right. Mm-hmm. People don't work out. People don't. They they don't put any effort and energy into communicating. They don't do any of these things, and and as a result Absolutely. of that, people feel like, well, why do I have to put in the effort if, you know, I can go and talk to somebody else. You know, I don't really need to go So in that regard, I kind of just feel like I don't like that. That's the I think that's the biggest downfall of relationships as it relates to technology. I I, well, I that's really the- believe. That. Well, that that in itself is a travesty, and is one of the uh, biggest problems. Is the uh, the dyna- the dynamics and principles of uh, being able to just throw people away, um, and uh, not be committed to viewing people as people. Yet we view them as the sub anomalies that are just expendable at the push of a button. So therefore, we devalue people. We've come into we've a set of uh, traits, a set of practices that allows this to be easy for us, not realizing full well that we are the progenitors of it because we are immersed in it and we continue the trend. You know, it's not something that you were born doing. It's something that you were born into, learned, and continued. And if you don't break out of that, you continue that, kind of like being born into a bad religion. You know, you didn't know anything about religion until you were taught a religion. So then it became your um, foundation, you know. Anything can be your religion. You can religiously practice to be a racist person. You weren't born having those inhibitions. However, now you religiously are a racist person, but why? Because it's the things that you have been taught. So now you could so easily throw away a whole race of people 
because of what you've been taught. And this is what we do in society all the time. We disregard other people's beliefs. We disregard other people as human beings. We disregard other people. So are we going to be so different when we encounter relationships with these same people? And that becomes the problem. Yeah, it's a huge I, – I agree with you. It becomes a huge problem because, like you said, it's so easy to just toss somebody away. We don't have – we don't want to spend any energy on fixing anything. Now, some relationships are not necessarily meant to be fixed. Some of them you just count it as a loss because you recognize right away. I'm a firm believer that if, if you meet somebody and it's not a good fit, not to make things – that are just not going to fit. But if you both decide that you'd like to make it work, you have to be willing to be open enough to communicate with the person. Um, so in that regard, I do, I, I wholeheartedly agree with what you're saying um, on that. Mm-hmm. I want to play another quick song. This is going to be kind of, this song right here is going to be a segue into what we're what we have coming up on our Saturday segments. Um, we'll be back in just a moment. Absolutely. Thank you. 
doing a little jamming on the side. I'm gonna love it. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I was so I just got carried You're away. You're not sorry. Look at that. Take that. Take privacy <laughs> and just take the bow, okay? Um. <laughs> Again, oh, so our call-in number is 914-205-5816. That was our segue into what we're planning that is going to be new for the new year. It's the Lady Vixen Radio Talent Battle, and we're encouraging anyone who has a talent, whether it is singing, rapping, um, spoken word, we're encouraging you guys to call in on our Saturday schedule. We'll be giving out the times for that shortly. Um, where you get to rap and or sing and or do a spoken word battle against another artist. Um, it will include a money prize. So you all want to to get involved actively with that. Keep your ears, you know, close to the station on Tuesdays and Thursdays because we'll be giving up information on how you can apply to become one of those talents doing the battle. Back to our topic, though. Tonight we're talking about the top five personalities that start conflicts in romantic relationships. We've already discussed, I think it was, if I'm not mistaken, so far we've discussed four. And now, yes, appropriately, we, we have one. Mm-hmm. We have the, the last one, which is the fixer. And the fixer, by definition, is um, fixers are all about offering solutions to a problem at all costs. They don't like things to be uncertain, and instead of engaging in the back and forth of conflict resolution, will lead to a solution just to bring the argument to a close. This would be an example of, you know what, you know, you start going in, and they're, they're arguing, they're debating, they're feeling how they're feeling. Everybody is getting heated, and they're like, you know what, I'm going to just stop doing that. You ain't got to worry about it no more because I'm not going to do this. They mm-hmm. offer up a solution to shut you up. It's not even that they really um, are sincere in the solution. It's just they don't want to argue. So they offer up that solution, you know. Hmm. All right, you know what? You're going to worry about it. I'm guilty of that. I will honestly say I have been a person who is who's practiced that, if I'm being honest. I always believe in being transparent. If I can't see myself, then who else? will see me, right? So mm-hmm. I I have been a person who have offered up a solution um, because, one, with the person that I may have been in the conflict with, it was uncomfortable for me. I, don't, I didn't like how it felt to be in conflict with them. And as a result, I wanted to steer clear and shy away from the conflict so I offered up a solution, and sometimes they would say, that's not what I meant. Like, you not doing something is not what I meant. It's just that I, I want this, or I, want, I need more of that, or less of this, or less of that, right? Um, okay. Which could be detrimental. Like, I think, I don't know. Beloved, have you been guilty of that, or have you have you experienced maybe a person quickly offering up solutions? And like you said, maybe it's not a solution that that you want um yeah i've I've encountered uh hell really people just some within my own family structure that that have done this um the thing is is that uh the fixer doesn't uh sound like a person that is um very sincere in what it is that they're they're trying to um atone to here in this scenario um i've mm-hmm. i've 
encountered fixers that are really sincere. You know, they're not just about offering solutions to a problem at all costs. They actually want the solution to a problem in their fixers. In this scenario, the fixer is likened to kind of the passive submissive person. The only thing that the difference in dynamics is that uh, the passive submissive person in that scenario is afraid of being disliked or having someone angry at them. And this particular fixer just doesn't like the back and forth of the conflict resolution. And the, uh, other than that, they're pretty much synonymous. They're pretty much the same thing. Um, uh, it, it, however, fixer it might be a little bit more to the detriment of one in a relationship because they actually tend to believe that their idea is the ironclad go-to automatically, you know, the, it's the right one uh, for the, the right sake answer. of any argument. Right. Yeah, I've come across a few of those people in life, in my own family. So, yeah. I don't know. I, I can't. I, I'm trying to think of a time that I've encountered a person. I've had people try to shut me up, so they'll try to be the fixer. You know. Okay. Where it's kind of like. I could understand it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they 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 become between us, and <laughs> oh, you understand. They become between us. <laughs> gotcha. You okay. low blow. Your low blows tonight. It's hilarious. Um, but. <laughs> come the fixer in the sense that they, they want me to just um they want to patchwork it. They don't want to talk about it, so it's uncomfortable for them and or they'd rather get out of that space. So they want to quickly get away from it by saying, Woo woo woo, here you have it, here's a solution. I'll just stop doing this or that behavior and some it comes across, like you said, where they're not really caring necessarily about. They're not really caring about fixing. It's just the, the quick fix is to say you'll stop, but you're not really adhering to. That's why I said I have been known. If I can be honest, I can say that I have been the fixer. But my fixing is not because I don't care. It's because I'm trying. I feel like, all right, I see this behavior. May, I've been told that this behavior is a bit annoying. So maybe this is the behavior. So let me, I'll not practice this behavior anymore. You understand what I'm saying? Right. So I'm coming up with a solution, like you said, that may scale myself back. And that's not, yes. that may not be what the person wants at all. They may not want me to scale my um, the part that I'm trying to fix, quote, unquote, that may not be the part they want to scale back at all. That may actually be the part of me that they enjoy. But because I'm offering that as a solution, it appears that I'm not really listening to them, but I'm the kind of person, like I said, where I will then seek clarity because I'm not trying to be, you know, just ultimate a-hole. I really want to know. If you're saying that's not it, Right, I'm wrong right there. I didn't ask you to scale that back. Then now I want to know what is it? What am I doing that is wrong? So I do mm. need a person who's like a good a, a good communicator for a person like me. Okay. Um, yeah, I need I need that. Like I I've already expressed previous. Um, I am a communicator, and I need a person who can exercise patience, but can also communicate, effectively communicate with me um, or at least be willing to stick it out and learn 
the language that I speak, and then I learn the language that they speak so that when we speak to one another, we're being effective. Because that's what it all boils down to. How can we be as effective at communicating what is wrong with our partners? Because if we don't get to that space, you'll just always have conflict with no resolution. There will never be a resolution if you don't learn how to effectively effectively listen and communicate with your partner. And if the person especially is, if they're worth something, if they're not worth anything, then we, we take less and less time. Who cares, right? We don't really, we don't really care about right. fixing it because we don't think the person is worth much um, in the beginning. We don't really care. Who cares? And that's sad. Right? Because we shouldn't we shouldn't be wasting that person's time or our own time if they're not worth uh, that. The thing is, is um, action must be taken by both parties. Um, mm-hmm. If there can't just be a fixer, there can't just be one person that fixes a problem. Both people have to be present in order to fix a problem. Whether, like you said, you're a person that needs communication. The thing is, what we don't realize is we're communicating all the time. People within our relationships, within our, uh, our, our, even just, you know, our relationships at home with our uh, kids, our parents, and so forth. Um, so, as you already know, I've spoken this uh, uh, plenty of times, countless times, I'm a fond believer of energy, vibration, and frequency. So, mm-hmm. you're constantly communicating these things to people whether you know it or not. The thing is, that is a sort of communication. So now when we say we want communication, what we really want is reciprocity. That is what we're looking for. That is what we're seeking, reciprocity. Because communication, it it could be there. It might not be the kind of communication that we're looking for, though. We might want something that is more inherent. Uh, We want something that's more on our frequency of understanding. That's true. And we're about to close up shop cut. But in speaking that really quickly, a lot of times, like you said, people do tell you who they are. I think a lot of times we – people will tell you who they are or or what you mean to them. Um, They will. They do. And it's really up to you to listen. Um. That's that's facts. So I want to thank everybody for tuning in, for listening in to tonight's show. Thank you also for your patience, um, for our missed um, presence on the radio. Um, but if you haven't already, hit the follow button. Um, included in our next episode, you'll get the um, kind of like a notification letting you know. And you can also follow us on Lady Vixen Radio on Instagram and Facebook to stay updated with our latest episodes. We appreciate you all. I'm going to pass the mic to you, and then you can play us out. All right. Well, you know, I'm going to play one of that. Uh, you, you play one of my favorite songs. i got to play that. Um, basically, uh, Santiago is uh, very much missed tonight. Uh, see him back on the next show. Um, Basically, this was fun. Me and you, Miss Blaze, this is it's always fun for me. I was glad that I could fill in his spot for the night and uh, we can do this. Um, I look forward to our next show. And I always, as always, thank the comrades and uh, thank the people that listen because without you, there is no us. Thank you very much. And I absolutely. will proceed. Please out. Mm-hmm. All right. Absolutely.
thank you for listening and tune in every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Until next time, peace.